Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. You guys know by now that we do a bunch of commercials in the beginning, in the middle of these episodes. Um, There's two things here. One, Patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. We put the episodes up without commercials. How about that? But here's the thing, guys. I know you people. I know what you're doing. You're skimming forward and you're fast forwarding through the commercials. But I'm telling you, you want to listen to these and you want to listen to the ones in the middle of the episode because we put new discount codes. We put new job opportunities, new training opportunities, new gear, new equipment, new sponsors, all kinds of new cool stuff in there. You don't want to skip it because you don't want to miss it, especially the discount codes. So make sure you guys are paying attention. And having said that, we're going to kick it off right now with one of my favorites, right? Uh, RayAllen.com. We've had a great relationship with Ray Allen for a long time. They want you to know that they've heard you loud and clear, and they have revamped their customer service, faster response times, easier to get a hold of them, faster shipping, faster order f- uh, fulfillment. Um, any kind of issues they had, they ironed it out. RayAllen.com for everything dog related, not just working dogs. Working dog, pet, anything you need. I just bought about 300 bucks worth of stuff the other day. Mixture of pets and police dogs in one click. I loved it. RayAllen.com. Uh, we got hits coming up. Um, it's going to be in August this year. It's going to be at the McCormick Place in Chicago. Um, it moves around. So, you know, one of the things they're really good about is it's not in the same location every year. So every four years, it's probably in a different area, or it's in a different area of the country. And they make it super obvious about... Um, rotating all of their uh, instructors too. So if you come last time they were, say, in Dallas like four years ago, when they go back to that area, you're not going to see the same people over and over again. When we were there last year, there was like 1,200 people, and they're talking about having 13 to 1,500, and we've got 100 vendors in the vendor hall this year. They're getting ready to have a price increase. And I know you people, and I mean you people as handlers, you guys wait for the last fucking second to do everything. And I know it's not your money, but the hotel fills up quick. Then you got to walk everywhere in Chicago, which is probably going to suck because it's going to be super hot. So... Get your tickets booked. It's going to be August 13th through the 16th this year at McCormick Place in Chicago. Go to hitsk9, letter K number nine, dot net. Get signed up. Look at the class schedule. Plan on where you're going to go. And, uh, yeah, submit all of your forms to all of your admins so you can get it paid for. And uh, you'll see us there. We're going to be doing live recordings. And come by the booth, get a beer, and uh, have a challenge going. we got some custom challenge coins we're making. So, um we're Which, not uh, we're not giving them beer though, Ted. They have no, to no, no. Yeah, beer. no, yeah. That's yeah. Get a beer was, and bring it with you. If that was if that was not obvious, I guess that's my bad. All right. So uh, one of the booths that's also going to be at hits probably right across from us. If uh, if it's anything like last year's, our friends at Dogtra. Um, I love Dogtra. Dogtra.com. Great company. Um, you guys have heard of us. You know they're especially you guys, you uh, policemen, law enforcement handlers. They're um, Remote is so set up for you guys to have on your gear. There's tons of different uh, Molly gear you can get for Dogtra uh, remotes. The 1900S is the best collar I have used. I love that thing. Their ball popper is all revamped. Um, They figured out anything with a battery should be rechargeable. The ball popper is rechargeable. It's kicking ass. Dogtra.com. They have a discount code, WDR10, for 10% off of any order over $200. Dogtra.com. 
So this next one is somebody that we, it's new to the podcast uh, or they just signed up. So I just mentioned challenge coins. Now, everybody knows that everybody loves dogs and everybody listening, whether you're search and rescue, whether you're FEMA, whether you're, uh, you know, sheriff's office, whatever, everybody in the public loves seeing dogs. And the one thing that I always see is people handing out challenge coins or handing out um, the little like playing cards with the dog's information and all that stuff on it. So one of the new sponsors for the podcast is Combat Bet, which is spelled B-E-T at the end, like you're betting. Uh, They have the little challenge coins that are shaped like poker chips. And ironically enough, they're pretty inexpensive for um, like a department to have for a canine unit. You can have them on their little, you can have the dog's picture on one side, you can have the sheriff's office shield on the other side, whatever you want to do. You can even print on the collar of it. And they do two different versions. They got the, the ceramic poker chip ones, and then they've also do a couple of metal ones. Um, so depending on how much you want to spend or whatever else, you can get a variety of different things, and they can print pictures on. So you can get the picture of the dog and the handler on there, hand them out to kids when you go do your school demos, and you guys look like heroes, which is freaking awesome. So they're doing a discount code for everybody. So if you go to combatbet.com, and you'll get a discount of 10% off of your total order price, which isn't a whole lot to begin with. So it's Working Dog Radio spelled out. Head over there, hit them up, tell them we sent you. Use a discount code, hand out coins to kids. That's all you got to do. That's it. Yeah, I think our first sponsor that we ever got when we got on the podcast is Arno at ALM. Um, yeah. I love ALM. The dude, the dude has been so good to us, so good to everybody. Um, I'm telling you right now, man, you want tugs, and I mean, we go through tugs a lot. Yeah, I give them out to all the handlers when they come through, and I don't use anyone else but Arno at ALM. Uh, his tugs are the best, period. They hold up. They're great. The dogs love them. Everything's great. And I've, I've done a ton of social media stuff about his hidden sleeve. His hidden sleeve is so legit. It is yeah. so good. It's the easiest, the easiest one to put on and take off. It is so functional like I use it you know under stuff as a hidden sleeve but I use it as a just as a regular sleeve sometimes um, it you do feel it it does suck I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> but it is a perfect sleeve for what we like to do he has a discount code WD radio for 10% off almk 9 equipment.com hit him up so speaking of traveling, October 30th through November 2nd of this year, our friends down at Southern Coast Canine, New Smyrna Beach, are going to be hosting the Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. It's the Police Motorcycle and Canine Skills Challenge hosted by our friends at Southern Coast, Peggy and Bill and Danny. So uh, I'm actually going to be down there announcing the uh, Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. Now, it's limited to the first 30 canine teams uh, and the first 30 detection teams, and they're also doing a competition the 4th through the 7th, which they do every year, which is a huge odor uh, seminar and detection seminar and competition. And at the end of the three days, you actually certify with NNDDA, but there's going to be 125 teams in attendance, so it should be a good time. Be sure to head over to Southern Coast Canine, hit them up, look at it, and come down and see me, and I'm sure I'll be heckling whoever's going to be decoying because you're going to get smashed. I don't know what to tell you. Be on your A game. Yeah. You guys remember our episode with Cameron Ford? Uh, Cameron Ford's worked all over the United States. Um, he's done all time, all kinds of multi-purpose canine training. Detection is his thing. It is what he does the most. That's what his scientific approach yep. uh, has proven. Like 
very effective, the things he does. Well, Cameron moved to Las Vegas to join the folks over at Silver State Canine. Um, they offer a ton of stuff. They have a class coming up. you got to get on this quick, though, guys. Uh, July 29th to August 9th. 29th to August 9th. It's a... Um, going to be a handler and trainer's course. you got to get on it. And they're going to rerun it September 9th through the 20th. This is not a cakewalk, but I'm telling you, you will learn a scientific method for this. Um, it's it's good stuff, man. Check them out, SilverStateK9.com. They, um, just so, say you can't go to Vegas, can't make it to Vegas. Maybe you don't have enough comp time. You, got, you don't have enough vacation time. They won't let you travel. You get a hold of uh, the folks at Silver State, and they will send Cameron to you. And they'll do a 40-hour detection dog seminar for you. You can get your all your unit, get all your training group. He'll come to you. SilverStateK9.com. Check them out. All right. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. As always is Eric Stanbro up in Ohio. Eric, what's up? Uh, nothing, man. It's been a beautiful weekend. Um, I... Uh, did some work with dogs a couple times today and then uh, took in between breaks of going out on the boat and uh, just got done and choked down some dinner and here we are. Uh, yeah. Got got um, my 50th birthday coming up in, what's what's today, the 4th? Two, three days, the 7th. Yeah, that's right. We're coming up for two right for hits. In fact, yeah. yeah. So we got something going on, too. Um, so by the time everybody hears this, this will broadcast the first day of hits, which um, giant canine law enforcement conference, biggest one in the world, yada, yada, yada. Uh, best instructors. It's going to be huge this year. But we've been running a social media contest the last couple of days to guess when, what time you were born. So what time is it? For that, the I was born at 310. There you go. I assume. <laughs> 310 p.m. 3.10 p.m., all right. P.m. You'll, you're going to have people respond in 24-hour time. I guarantee you. Yes. So. Right. 15, 10 hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the answer. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot going on. Um, I've been playing catch-up from being gone from all the HRD stuff uh, here at home. Uh, we've got, like, six fucking dogs coming in from Europe, and they should get here right about the time I get back from Chicago, um, which is good because we don't have anything going on until uh, Dallas or Irving, I guess, um, first week of September. Uh, and then I've got a decoy school with Tulsa Police Department. Uh, should be a fairly large class uh, October 7th through the 9th, and I'll probably be using most of those six dogs in that school. Uh, and a lot of my local guys will be there because my dogs bite correctly. So... Um, yeah. <laughs> when is the uh, SWAT thing with you for up in Alliance? Uh, that's going to be October 14th through the 16th. We're going to do that canine SWAT integration. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be really good. Um, what we're doing is we're going to limit it to 15 uh, canine teams, but unlimited regular SWAT guys and admins. And if we get enough admins there, uh, they're going to, we'll have four instructors. So they'll, They'll break them aside and have a classroom stuff just for instructor or just for admins, um, you know, lieutenants and sergeants or whatever that run SWAT teams, and uh, how they, uh, you know, what, what we think and how they start to integrate. It'll be mostly, in my opinion, probably <clears throat> admins that are coming in that have no dogs on their team and how how to get them in there and what they should be looking for. So yeah, I see a lot of that. Surprised to learn that not. 
many of their dogs can do it. So yeah, uh, I I see we see a lot of that when we do those or we have those field those questions, and I'm like, SWAT dogs are not patrol dogs. <laughs> like, it's a different like it's a different selection process, different outcome, different like. It's a whole different thing, and you know. But to be honest, most of those dudes have either supervised canine units um, because it's under special operations a lot in, in departments, or um, they have zero idea what those dogs are capable of, or even what they fucking should be doing. Um, and to be honest, there's really no SWAT uh, quote unquote certification. I mean, we have uh, the NOTA, NOTA thing, and then we have Cali Post that has kind of some bare bones outlines of what the SWAT dog should be. But by and large, it's kind of like what what do you need <laughs> so it's a really it's a really strange thing so that ought to be interesting when is that october what 14th through the 16th it'll be on right. alliancepolicetraining.com excellent so uh other than that i don't have a whole lot going on we have to give another answer though you're, you're missing oh, another do. whole nother contest which There's one? two contests going on for the birthday oh shit that's right what's the other one one for patreon and one for social media so by the time this comes out, you guys have probably called me all kinds of things <laughs> on your, your fucking social, nickname. I forgot Facebook about and Instagram because the contest is guessing my childhood nickname, and I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of interesting <laughs> guesses. Yeah, but the answer, the correct answer, is Scooter. That was my name and variations of that through my entire childhood, up into my teenage years, probably. So, uh, Scooter, if you guessed it, um, if several people guessed it, we're going to just kind of throw their numbers in a hop, their name in a hopper and pull out a name. But uh, that prize package for either Facebook or Instagram, we have a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff to give away. So, uh, congratulations if you pick Scooter. If you figured out Scooter, you cheated somehow, just so you know. <laughs> you, uh, you contacted my family or somehow, but I, I get it. I don't, I'm not hating on you. I do one get my, it. So one of my good buddies handles a dog named Scooter, and he's a scary, scary motherfucker. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Scooter. He's a big, gnarly Malinois. Uh, so yeah, three ten and Scooter. Um, so yeah, nice. where it hits. I'll uh, be looking for all the live episodes. We should have. Uh, I want to say I've got ten or I got to look at the list. Ten or twelve. Uh, live episodes lined up. I'm not sure how we're going to release those, but um, I'm going to release those. Uh, for the Patreon members, there's going to be video of those uh, with the overdubbed uh, audio, so you'll be able to see that also. Um, if you haven't been to Patreon, it's patreon.com. Look for Working Dog Radio, and that's where you guys uh, get all the information from Eric and I. Uh, stuff we talk about, stuff we talk about. If you listen to the last episode uh, about me talking about building searches and how I do it and what I use it for other than just finding people in buildings uh, or in area searches, uh, that's where I posted that big-ass long article um, that sounds like it's eventually going to go to um, Canine Courier for USPCA, but that's not going to be until, yikes, probably 2020 from what it sounds like. So, um, but yeah, that's where we have all the information. Eric, you did something recently uh, in there with for obedience, but yeah, hit it up patreon.com. Uh, look for Working Dog Radio. Uh, with that, what do we um, got going on tonight? Well, so during the Ladies of Canine, uh, we had Margo on and she talked about uh, at San Bernardino County, she talked about something that was really interesting. She said, you know, a huge portion of the success of those search and rescue dogs, I mean, it's the largest county in the country. Um, 
and there I don't remember how bazillion square miles it is or whatever. It's like the size of West Virginia. Um, like no lie, like that county is fucking huge. She said, you know, a, a large portion of that is perimeter and containment, so that we know somebody hasn't pushed in or out or whatever else, and we know that we're the person we're looking for should likely be in this area. And one of my handlers that day had got, or well, that week had gotten a bite where they got two bites in one call. Uh, and they had a successful containment with um, five agencies. And I, I asked my handler, I was like, how the hell did you manage that? He's like, oh, I wasn't running it. But <laughs> he was like, I was just there with a leash in my hand, biting fools. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> but they, they had like county, tribal, city, trooper, and fish and wildlife were all involved in the containment of these people that ran. Uh, so I was like, God dang. And at the same time, one of my other handlers from the County over sent me an article that was written by our guest, um, tonight. And I was like, no shit, we should probably do a, an episode on this because so often, you know, like in the last episode, you and I talked about tracking a lot, like tracking, tracking, tracking. It's like how you track and how you do this and how you do that. And, you know, we have guys in departments where they don't track, um, at all. They just literally do area search because they're, it's an urban environment. And then I've, we've got people that listen that I know for a fact, the tallest building they have is two stories and they are constantly tracking through fields. They're lucky if they have someone on from another department at the same time with their County. So you've got tons of amount of, of interagency cooperation. And then you've got departments where you like, for instance, when we did the HRD thing, what did those dudes tell us in Houston? Like when they're doing a building search, they have like 50 dudes there. <laughs> So, yeah, they just envelop the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's accuracy through volume. You're going to find them at some point. So um, with that, uh, we have the guy on tonight who literally wrote the book on apprehending fleeing suspects, um, what their tactics are, and perimeter containment. Uh, he was also a canine handler, uh, which uh, we're going to talk quite a bit about. So Jack Shanley. Jack, how are you? Good, Ted. Good to be with you guys. Yeah. So, like I said, I kind of reached out to you after we had this entire conversation with some of my handlers and after the episode we had with Margot, and I thought, man, you know, a, a huge, because, you know, I didn't think, I thought about it in the back of my mind, because uh, a lot of my guys, I have, I have handlers, you know, we have dogs in, or we've sold dogs in 18 states, I think we've got like 14 active now or something, in, or well, 14 states active, but I have dogs on huge departments, and I have dogs on very small departments where it's one dog, and, you know, a, a large amount of success in apprehending people that are fleeing, especially with a dog, um, has to do with proper containment and perimeter procedures. And it's not something that our industry talks about a whole lot. And I'm not 100% certain why um, and why those guys aren't taught to communicate communicate. So, you know, with kind of like leading into that, why don't we talk a little bit about your resume, how we got to this point, uh, and then we'll pick up where, uh, we'll pick up from there and go forward. Sounds good. Um, well, I, I ended up retiring about three years ago after 36 years in law enforcement. I was with a small canine, a small, uh, sheriff's department in Berks County, Pennsylvania, a long time ago, went to LAPD in 1983 and I spent my career there. And during that time, I obviously worked uh, a lot of patrol work and then uh, uh, ended up in Metropolitan Division. And my goal was to get the canine. I mean, that for my first canine search, uh, I said, I'm going there someday. And, it, and uh, back in the 90s, back in 92, I made it the canine, spent uh, a little over five years there. 
Uh, left there, went to Air Support Division as a tactical flight officer, and then uh, made pilot, and I finished my career uh, supporting canine units from the air for my last nearly 18 years. With the city, right? Not county, LAPD. It, correct. It was city, yeah. LAPD. Yeah, one of my buddies, uh, one of Alicia and I's buddies, that's, um, he's uh, currently um, an L.A. County heli pilot right now, um, and I'm sure he's listening to this because he listens to all these. But um, <laughs> outstanding. He, yeah, we've uh, we may or may not have been in one of those helicopters when they're using the dogs. Um, it's like <laughs> fucking cheating when you're using the dogs. Um, TPD has a helicopter, and Marion County Sheriff's Office were doing an HRD down there, and they've got a helicopter. And I mean, that, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit about how you integrate with that. But you know, in terms of you know, perimeter and in terms of um, pursuit versus containment. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Oftentimes, canine handlers are not the primary on the call. They're usually called in sure. after the fact to, you know, to track or to do an area search or something like to start looking under buildings or wherever it is. Right. But let's just kind of talk basics like, you know, if we have to t if we have to chase somebody versus knowing where containment is and I, and I did a scenario in um Shelby uh last week Eric where I made I told these guys because I wanted them to do an area search and I didn't want them, any of them to pull the card on me they're like well I'm gonna wait till I have containment so I went ahead and told them they had it <laughs> and that that now I forced them to make the decision to start searching so uh but yeah let's talk about that Jack you know the difference between a pursuit strategy versus a containment strategy it's it's a great question. It's the it's a big part of the class idea because it's important. It's an important part. Um, first of all, you know a lot of canine handlers know about this stuff, and I and I think that they need to be the ones that go out and sell it to their customers, which is patrol officers, because if the patrol officers get this decision right, pursuit versus containment, and they do it in a decisive way, and they do it in the correct way. Your, your canine finds are going to go through the roof. That, that's just a fact. It's just a fact. I saw it firsthand uh, for a long time, and I've seen it uh, all over the country. So, so it's a good, good, good starting point. Um, you know, there's times to chase, and there's times to contain. And what are some of the factors there that patrol officers should be thinking about? Well, w one is that uh, containment should be looked at as a tactical option of the foot pursuit. That's how I look at it. It's just an option. It's not a perfect option, but it's a good option. It's in many cases a safer option than running down a driveway into a, back, a dark backyard after a guy. Uh, it's better to contain the block, call the, call the dogs, and go in there as a, as a search team with a canine out ahead of you. Uh, that's much safer than running down into the unknown by yourself. Now, that's not to say that you can't do that. You can. We've all done, we've done it. I've done it a lot <laughs> uh, when I was in my younger days. But the, the point is that it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do sometimes. And perimeter containment is just a really, really good option uh, if it's done correctly. And, and so that's why patrol officers need to be educated as much as possible on, on the technique because it's going gonna, it's gonna to help the dog handler and the, the dog team in the long run because you're going to catch more bad guys if they do it right. And uh, there's a lot of things to do right and things to do wrong, but the initial decision has to be early, it has to be decisive, and it has to come over the airwaves on the radio clear so that everybody knows that officer wants a containment. Where do I go? What do I do? 
um, and start containing the area as opposed to everybody is just running around like crazy and no organization and uh, and the guy's running and we don't know where he is. So it's it's a good place to start that that decision. So when let's assume that they decide to make containment and they start getting a perimeter containment set up. And the canine handler is obviously not primary, and they show up, um, depending on the length of time and the area to search and all these other factors, if it's nighttime, daytime, yada, yada. Um, what are some of the biggest things, and I have a funny story about this, what are some of the biggest things that those canine handlers need to start asking the primary on the call? Good, good stuff. And, and let's, so let's back up one notch. Let's say the canine right. handler is not even there yet. They're en route, or they're on duty, and they're listening to it on the radio. Something that, that occurs regularly, and I heard this firsthand many times, may have, may have even keyed the mic a few times doing this, where you hear somebody in foot pursuit, and there's a long silence, and, and you, know, you don't know what's going on, or their location's not there. It's, it's helping them along. And put, planting that seed, hey, perimeter, perimeter, get a perimeter set, you know, and plant that seed so that they go start in that right way. But then once you get there, um, you know, they're, they're obviously the, the vital info is, where was the, last, the suspect last seen? Exactly. Where was that suspect last seen? How long ago? And what did he look like? And then obviously the crime is important and all that stuff too. But the, for a canine handler, it's pretty simple, you know, stuff. You meet with the primary, you say, what do you got? And if they don't give you that, that's what you need. Exactly where he was last seen, uh, what he looks like, what he's wanted for, and how long ago is, the, is a big one. And then ask, hey, so... You, you set a containment up here. How fast was somebody on the backside of this block or on the other side of the park or on the other side of the golf course or whatever's being contained? That's really important. I remember being asked that as a young copper many, many times, and I always wondered about it. And Why are, they, why are the canine guys always asking that? Well, they want to know, uh, you know, they want to know what happened before they got there. And what kind of chances there are that the guy's in there, and maybe, maybe just maybe, the canine handler's going to say, hey, you know what, we need to make this bigger. Let's add a second block to this right now. Um, and the canine handler initiates making it bigger. Um, or let's say that, that uh, some facts come out and the, the officer says, oh, yeah, and this, this guy capped a couple rounds at us. <laughs> and they have a one block perimeter. It's like, oh, shit. no, oh, this has whoa. to be much bigger. <laughs> whoa. Yes. Wait a minute. <laughs> whoa. And, and that happens. <laughs> that happens where the, the information doesn't trickle down over the radio. And then the canine handler is the one drawing it out of people. And it's like, yeah. whoa, well, if a suspect shoots at you, you better, you better make it much bigger than one block or he's not going to be in here. Yeah, my uh, one of my guys, one of the best track, most successful tracking dogs I have locally. That's um, in my training group. Um, one of the calls they got was uh, one of the regular city guys, just a normal patrol guy, pulls up behind a car at a stop sign. The car, and he wasn't even going to stop the vehicle. I mean, she stopped, and so she stops, and she gets out and bails for no reason. He's sitting there like flabbergasted. He's like, "What the fuck just happened?" So he gets out and is like, "Hey, come back here!" And she's running off. Like he's watching her run off. Uh, so the dog gets there and it's not a huge city and, um, <laughs> like it's only been 20 minutes or something. It's not that long. Uh, and you know, the, the, this patrol guy tells my handler, he said she went that way. And so we start, he starts the tracking procedures, um, you know, takes the dog up and the dog starts going damn near in a 90 degree 
off the direction that the guy was like, no, she went that way. I'm 100% certain. And, and my handler's like, no, are you sure? So I restarted him three times. The dog kept going and kept going. And, and my handler, I'm preventing from saying his name, kept like, all right, look, we got to go this way. So uh, 600 meters, uh, four surface changes, crosswinds, all kinds of crazy shit. They come to a uh, giant um, like culvert um, that has vertical walls in it. It's about 12 feet deep. And at this point, they're, they, they're, and, and I almost said his name. He had started containment with troopers in with county and they were pushing her into containment. Um, so they had her at a point where she was going to run and they knew where this culvert was because it's about a mile and a half long and there's two highways on either side of it. So, I mean, she either had to cross the highway, which probably been, been reported by citizens because she's going to jump. I mean, she's running over an interstate and a state highway, or she's going to be stuck in this, in this culvert. So the dog tracks up the culvert and I mean, just starts barking his stupid dog head off. Um, she was hidden under a root ball in this 12 foot deep culvert, like Creek thing. And, you know, they could see containment on either end of it. And, um, so they ended up catching her that way, but he had pushed her. But I mean, when you show up, make sure that your guys are giving you good information. And if they're not <laughs> like, they like say, like, look, are you sure? Because the dog's telling me something different, homie. So, yep. and yep. I, you know, I'm sure you have stories about, no, I already looked Common. under there. I, yeah. I mean, Common I have, scenario. I have Common been part scenario. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Never, never, so Jack over I never, here. Uh, trusted, I, I never trusted 100% of the information I was getting, and I was always taught, trust your dog. Trust yep. your dog. Your dog's going to take you to places that, that the patrol officers are going to say, no way, he's not over there. Where are you going? We already looked over there. You to him. It happens all the time. Yeah, we, we already, already looked, looked over there. We already looked you know, over that's there. That's a common one. <laughs> that's a good one for new handlers to remember. Just because patrol says, hey, I already looked over there, you don't have to do that. You do it anyway. Uh, right. 100% of the time. It should be one of those golden rules that you always follow. Well, and that's kind of the next point yeah. that I wanted to talk about is thoroughness. Like, you know, when you're conducting these searches, if you're working with patrol or if they've already done a preliminary search, then you, they're like, oh, we already looked here. And you're like, all right, well, okay. So, <laughs> sure, we'll go ahead and use the dog anyway, and we'll look in these places anyway. And, you know, I read your book while I was on my way to uh, wherever I was just at recently. Where was I? Shelby, North Carolina. And the one thing, one of the few things that kept coming up in the book was the idea of thoroughness. Like yep. if you're going to clear an area and this is something that Eric harps on, like every time we run a specific scenario at HRD is that dogs search and people clear. And yep. so the, if the dog is giving us some sort of behavior that is counterproductive or is counter to the, to the information we've already given been given, you're like, well, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. And we'll talk about hiding places in a second, but yeah, I mean, thoroughness is a, is a huge, um, is a huge concept with this area because you're systematically searching these things, you know, square by square or yard by yard or area by area. And systematically checking things off the list. So, yes. So, yeah, th thoroughness is, is important for a dog handler, certainly, but it's important for patrol officers if they're on the search team with the dog or if they're searching without a dog. You've got to be thorough. And the way I describe it is no stone left unturned. You don't skip anything. You, you look in places that don't make sense to you. You look at places that where common sense tells you, oh, you don't have to look there because it's too high, it's too low, it's too small, it's too tight. My guy couldn't fit under that sink. 
you look there anyway. And the reason is because, and as canine people, you know this, that they're under there. Sometimes they're under there. And, and uh, the average patrol officer doesn't see that all that often, whereas canine handlers end up seeing bizarre places <laughs> that, that suspects are. And you learn, wow, I really do have to be thorough. These guys could be anywhere. They could yeah, be anywhere, even I'm places sure. that make no sense. Yeah, I'm sure Eric has some funny stories. Two of my recently, um, I have a dog in a county, and then I have a dog on a city uh, that is the county seat. Uh, they had chased this dude, and he was literally jumping from rooftop to rooftop, and um, in the city, the county seat uh, downtown, and was they called SWAT in to look for this guy. So they call one dog in, and the dog goes in and alerts in a corner, in a blank corner that has a bunch of shit piled up in it, and nothing, right? So they gas it, and they pepper ball it, and nothing happens. Bring the other, bring the county dog in, and the dog goes to the same spot and tries to grow through the ceiling and everything else, and they can't figure out what the fuck is going on. Turns out, dude's hidden in the wall, and yeah. there was, yeah. a, and the, both the dogs were right. And the entire yep. time when they gassed him and pepper balled him or like gay, they OC'd him, he was the guy was fucking dying in, the, in between the walls. You know, <laughs> I, I talked to a, a fairly large SWAT team down in Texas and um, they same thing. They had containment. This dude ran, ran into a housing um, community that it was like a bunch of new houses were being built. And um, this dude runs in and it was city, I think, that pushed him into the building and then county came up from the opposite side. So they knew the guy was in the house and it was, you know, it was Bunsy's track homes. He's, you know, the McMansion, huge million dollar, whatever down in, uh, it's in Texas. Um, couldn't find the guy. I mean, dog doesn't have a basement, doesn't have attic. They're like, what the fuck? Did he just get abducted by aliens or what's the deal? So they brought a dog in and the handler to his credit, you know, the guy that ran the SWAT team was a former handler. And they kept, they sent the dog in and he kept like alerting on this light switch and digging. And yeah. the hand, the, the SWAT guy, the, the SWAT guy was like, look, your dog's looking for drugs. Clearly he thinks, you know, that there's drugs. And he's like, no, man, I, I mean, and turns out this guy had gone into a closet that had this huge cabinet in it that had a void in the wall. And he was hiding right behind this light. Well, near this yep. light switch. And that's where the dog was. The dog was like, he's right here. Um, they ended up having to cut the dude out of the wall and it was a big shit show. But um, <laughs> like you said, because of, you know, people are desperate when they're running and they end up hiding in the most insane places. And you're right. Canine handlers are the ones that always end up finding them in the craziest places. Eric, I'm sure you have some ridiculous stories about people hiding in the most stupid places. Yeah. The, um, so I've, I always say it, at all our seminars that where I'm from in Canton, nobody surrenders. Everybody, it, nobody, it's, it, the hide and seek game is played to physical contact, whether it's with a human or a dog. So they never surrender. Even if you're outside the door, outside the closet door that they're in with the dog barking, Tony, uh, I know you're in this closet. I'm going to um, send the dog. Uh, and you open it. They, they don't surrender. You open it, they bite them. Uh, I told you I was going to put the dog in. Well, I actually didn't believe you. Um, <laughs> they think you're never going to. So, so Jack, talk about the desperation of the fleeing person of what you see as far as hiding spots and especially from as the canine side and from the air, what you've seen people do. 
the, the desperation factor is such an important factor to consider when you're chasing a bad guy. I mean, you're ch- if you're chasing a guy that just stole a car radio or stole a purse out of a car, that's one thing. If you're chasing a real bad dude, somebody that's killed people or raped people or shot at police officers or killed a police officer, that desperation level is through the roof, and you need to consider that in your tactics. And uh, some of the most crazy places that people hide, I mean, places that would make no sense to us because we're using common sense, but they're not using that. For instance, down in the blue stuff in a porta potty. I oh, mean, Cook, Cook County, uh, Illinois had that a while back. Oh, a that, bad, bad guy. Yeah. And he's down in the blue stuff. And uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty good one. Uh, but they'll, they'll take high risks, too, uh, where, where, where they go. I mean, very high places, um, under places where they're hanging uh, in walls, uh, like you were just talking about, Ted. That, that's a, believe it or not, as, that, that story resonates because I've heard it a hundred times around the country. I mean, it, where canine handlers go, oh, man, I had a guy in a wall. I had a guy in a wall. And they get there in a different variety of ways. But, you know, if, you were, if, if you're a full-time criminal uh, and you're trying to get away, why wouldn't you take risks? You know, hiding in a wall or hiding in the job, Johnny, or, uh, is less, uh, it's not pleasant, but it's better than jail. So that needs to be considered in the thoroughness, uh, really. And it, it just goes hand in hand. The desperation and the thoroughness go hand in hand because desperation is a, a powerful motivator uh, for, for a criminal. And, and that's why that dog's nose got, has to get up to everything, and that's why you trust it. And when the dog's telling you, hey, I got something here, uh, there's something there. And you got, and you got to turn, you know, you just have to stick with it and hang in there and, and keep tearing things apart and going, where's that scent coming from? And, and it's going to come from some bizarre places that make no sense. Uh, I, I just taught a class in, in, um, in Sacramento the other day, and, I, and a young officer came up and said, we had a guy build a tunnel. Uh, from inside his house, and it went out to the doghouse. <laughs> uh, I mean, these guys will do creative and desperate things because they know eventually we're coming to get them. We're coming to get them. And, uh, you know, desperation is something that uh, needs to be discussed in roll calls and uh, as to how we affect our tactics. If they're desperate and they're really desperate, we need to think big. We need to think differently about that particular person. So in the book, and if you, you handlers about- aren't out there, aren't working your dogs in confined oh, yeah. spaces and under and around and in and through and everything. If you're not working apprehensions in those, your dog's not going to do it. I mean, wanna- <laughs> sure. There, there's a, a small percentage that do it, but uh, you're like, Oh, the guy was hiding underneath the porch, but my dog wouldn't get go under and get him. Well, how many times have you done that? Uh, well, never. We just, you know, we're on the field. We just do bites on the field. Everyone asks me, you know, like, they see not, my... Bu- come on. <laughs> Everyone sees our bite suit or our bite suits at Torchlight, and like me and Josh, and they kind of look at us, and we look like fucking pig pen walking around from Charlie Brown, and we've got them on, and people are like, why are they so dirty? I'm like, because shitheads hide in dirty places. That's why. That's right. So, <laughs> we, and we make the dogs go in, under, and around things that are... We have a favorite scenario, and all of my handlers know what it is, uh, our facility has some big gnarly trash cans, which you can talk about, uh, Jack, about favorite hiding places, but I call it trash panda. 
And it is literally the dog has got to do like a semi area search in a contained space and he'll alert on one of these giant trash cans we have, one that's clean ish. And once that happens, a handler tosses him in and dog bites me or Josh. Usually it's Josh. But um, I mean, and it's people hiding fucking trash cans. One of the one of our associate instructors at HRD, uh, Griff Lippincott, um, one of his bites was in a trash can um, up in Illinois. And he tracked a dude and it was in a trash can next to a like a Wyndham or like a one of those normal like Marriott like hotel things. But it was one of those giant ones with a sliding door. The dog alerted and he's like, he gave an alert or he gave an announcement and he's like, I guess you're going to get bit and threw him in. And he was like, you know, I didn't really think about that because I didn't have backup with me. And then I didn't, he's like, I didn't realize I was probably gonna have to get into the trash can at the same time. So <laughs> he, he's like, I ended up getting into the trash with them at the same time. And he's like, I just cuffed him and left him in there. And until the backup came and then I pulled it, we pulled him out. But yeah, I mean, so speaking of hiding places, like what are some of the most random, there's one big one that you talk about, especially in yard to yard searches in the book. So go ahead and talk about those. Well, there's, there's, Several big ones that I just think never you can't you cannot miss them. You can't go past them without uh, either getting the dog's nose up to it or a search team looking at it. And and some of those are um, dog dog houses. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, dog houses that have dogs attached to them. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, dog houses are, are common hiding spots, and that has become uh, a very common hiding spot. And uh, I was told that early on in my canine days uh, that, hey, we search all dog houses. And I'm like, okay. And they go, no, really, we, we, we search every dog house. Either your dog gets in it or your search team visually clears it. One or the other has to happen. We don't walk by dog houses. I said, okay. And my first canine find after certification was a suspect in a dog house. And I thought these guys were geniuses. Oh, my God. Trainers <laughs> are geniuses. They know where all these guys are hiding. And, and that was one of many that, uh, that were taken out of dog houses, including a dog house with the biggest, nastiest pit bull I've ever seen attached to it. It made no sense. We almost walked away from it. And we ended up going, up. No, we're breaking our own rule here. And we door knocked the place at 4 in the morning and said, take your pit bull in. And off, off the chain that's attached to this dog house, and, and he takes the pit bull in. We send our dog in, in custody. The guy's in his underwear and sneakers. That's it. His jeans, shirt, sweatshirt are wrapped around his arm like a canine sleeve. He's defending himself against a pit bull. Now he's defending himself against a German Shepherd, two for one that night. But it made no sense, you know, that why would this guy go in there? Well, that's why it's such a good hiding spot, because most cops would look at that and say, well, he ain't in there. There's no way he's in there, but there he is. Uh, so that's why dog houses need to be checked. Um, uh, trash cans and trash bins, that is high on the list, and, and that's an international thing. I, I've been to Europe, Australia, uh, teaching all over Canada and across the United States, and I have people come up to me all the time and say, oh, my gosh, trash cans and trash bins, we're pulling people out of them left and right. And, and the reason is that they're so accessible. They really are. And there's more trash cans out there than ever before. There's some communities have trash, recyclables, and grass clippings. You know, they have three for every house. Uh, and then the big trash bins that are at commercial buildings and restaurants, they're everywhere. So it shouldn't surprise us that suspects running that are in a jam could hop in there. It's a, quick, uh, it's a quick hiding spot, and it's one of the most popular, uh, particularly in the United States. Um, 
and cars is another big one. Under cars and inside cars. And that's an easy find. The undercars is an easy find for a dog, dog team as long as they're doing things right. And they're, they're getting their dog around cars and, you know, all the way around cars and especially downwind of cars and, and, and doing their search techniques that they all know. They do it right. That's an easy find. Inside a car, uh, depends. Uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, obviously, but if the guy's been in there long enough, the dog's going to hit on that too, and it'll lead you inside, including inside trunks. Um, we've seen that where suspects have jumped, got into a car and then ripped the back seat out, uh, went into the locked trunk and pulled the back seat back into place. Now, without a dog, you don't find that guy. But with a dog, the dog alerts on the car and you eventually send him in the car and he scratches at the back seat and bingo, you got him. Uh, my department actually caught a cop killer exactly like that. Uh, not that long ago. Um, so those are big, um, and then the houses, under houses in Los Angeles, a lot of the houses had raised foundations. But any, any um, older houses with raised foundations that have vents on the side, that's a good one, too. That's a real big one that, that only a dog team is going to be effective on. I mean, you just can't, without a dog, you can't effectively look under every house and lift the vent and look in there with your flashlight. It's dangerous, first of all. And, and secondly, it's just not efficient. But with a dog team, that's an easy one. Um, but those are some big ones. Those are some really big ones. Yep. So we're going to take a break for just a second. Uh, we're going to keep the lights on. Um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, the difference between an area search with containment and a track and when that turns into that. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back in just a second. Hey, guys, we got a great new sponsor, man. We're super excited about this. I have a box full of challenge coins. I love them. Everywhere we go, I'm always asking people, do you have challenge coins, challenge coin? Um, but I don't have one. Working Dog Radio doesn't have one. Torchlight doesn't have one. HRD doesn't have one. So we are going to get those. We're going to get them made. And we're looking around, trying to figure out who we're going to use, who we're going to get to make these challenge coins. We partnered up with the good people at Combat Bet. That's C-O-M-B-A-T. B-E-T. And they've got several different cool styles to choose from. They got other things too. They got some cards. They got a lot of different cool stuff. They're giving a uh, discount code for us, Working Dog Radio. Um, I can't wait. Um, we're going to get uh, these challenge coins. And I'm telling you, if I give you one, you better have it. If I see you, I'm going to blast that thing out on the bar and you have to buy me a drink. CombatBet.com. Check them out. They have several different styles of coins. Um, we're really super proud to have them on here, man. CombatBet.com. Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Eric and I use a lot of equipment at either up in Ohio, Vet Ass, or here at Torchlight. Uh, we've been using Dogtriff for years. Both of us have. Um, even before we even started the podcast, you know, one of my favorite products is the 1900S hands-free. I use it all the time, and I've uh, even got a different collar on it so I can put it on dogs super fast. Uh, there's no messing around with it or whatever else, and I just keep the remote in my pocket, and I have the finger kick on my on my finger or on my wrist, and uh, makes it super easy. But 
Doctors got several products and not just for police dogs. You know, I was doing for hunting dogs. They've got a long history uh, with the hunting dog community, but uh, great products, several things for everybody from pets all the way up to working dogs. And they also have the awesome ball watcher and popper that I use the kennel. Uh, I think I've got four of those things now and um, we've got them in a box. And I've got them hidden in cars, all kinds of stuff. But for uh, listeners, anytime you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. And that's at dogtra.com. Go hit them up, dogtra.com. Hey guys, coming up, it's coming up August, August 13th through the 16th, the HITS Conference. HITS is the best conference going. It's the biggest. It's, uh, there's only a couple conferences that we back and we sponsor over here at Working Dog Radio based on who runs it, the type of material, the type of training, the instructors, everything they get, nothing shady happening. HITS, um, I can't say enough about the guys. You've heard them on the podcast, man. They're all legit. They're handlers. Um, they're out there working every day with that dogs, with those dogs, and they're putting on this big, huge conference. They got a uh, price increase coming up, man. So don't mess around. This year, it's in Chicago at McCormick Place. Like it's the size of Canton, Ohio, pretty much the entire <laughs> venue that they're going to be at. Um, check them out. Hits K9.net. Don't wait. Yeah, you know, one of the other uh, sponsors that we have that's also uh, nothing shady going on that we're super happy to have on the podcast <laughs> is Ray Allen. Uh, I think Ray Allen made equipment for um, dogs that are on the Ark. They've been around for so long. Uh, their product designer, uh, you know, Matt, is one of our good buddies. Uh, we love that dude to death. Uh, they do a good job there. They've got that new treat pouch that Eric really likes. Uh, keep your fucking hoodies from smelling like hot dogs or, or pill jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just ordered a bunch of rubber arms, and we ordered a leg for Eric. Uh, that uh, is good for proofing patrol dogs. And they've got everything, not just for police dogs. They got stuff for working dogs, and they got stuff for uh, for other working dogs like search and rescue or hunting, and then also just for pets. Also, they've got leashes and everything for and harnesses just regular collars, everything you need. If you're going to go over there, make sure you use the discount code, also working dog radio spelled out. Uh, the beginning of each letter needs to be, or word needs to be capitalized. You'll get uh, 10% off your first order. And yeah, they have just about everything you need except for the dog and the patrol car. So hit them up and not owned by a uh, somebody that has pled guilty to uh, sex offender crimes. So there's that. You guys have heard me talk and Ted talk about our relationship with Highland Canine. Um, we've done it on social media. We, you've heard it here in the commercials and things. And we do that because we believe in the Pergasons and we believe what they got going on there. Um, they have a school for dog trainers. They got a police dog training school. Um, and, and they started to realize what they were doing was everything was... Um, basic training for them. And they do have a lot of basic training classes. They take you, uh, they teach you, say you're a handler, they're training you, and then boom, out you go on the road. But what we see in this business is most guys don't follow up with any kind of advanced courses. So Highland Canine, they're like, you know what, we're going to take care of that. They have started a um, advanced detection, or excuse me, an advanced um canine courses, like a whole curriculum they're rolling out. Back in April, they started with an advanced detection course. Um, They're going to go into advanced skills for every aspect of police canine training. Uh, Be sure to check it out. Look for upcoming classes, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Harmony, North Carolina. Check them out. 
so everybody knows that we uh, love the guys at Southern Coast, Bill and Peggy Heiser, and of course Danny. But they've also got a second company called Coast to Coast Canine, which handles uh, detection services, and they are looking for two full-time and one part-time explosive handler. So be sure to hit them up and email Peggy Heiser. So you're going to do P Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R, at C, the letter 2, C, the letter K, the number 9.com. That's C2CK9.com. Shoot her your resume and apply for the jobs for a full-time explosive handler. There's two of those. And then uh, a single part-time handler, uh, explosive handler, at C2CK9.com. Peggy Heiser at cdccanon.com. Go ahead, I'm up. So I got a uh, bomb dog in my uh, kennel right now. I'm imprinting her on the seven odors that we use over here in Ohio. None of those odors are the HMEs like TATP, um, urea nitrate, and some of the other ones. We um, are afraid of that shit, and I'm not touching it. I'm not messing with it. But I do want my dogs to, to find it. So looking around, you know, my guys go through some training with the FBI like once a year. It's pretty hard to stay proficient on that stuff. And I'm not messing with that stuff for real. So what do we do? True Scent. True Scent is a, um, it's not a pseudo odor. It's a simulant. It is real odor suspended in silica. Now listen, they have everything. They have all the explosive odors you want. Um, but I specifically look for the the HME kits. They got several of them. Um, check them out. Uh, it's it's real explosive odor. Um, it's good stuff, man. We really like them. You heard Ellie, their chemist, on our um, podcast. We made a whole T-shirt based on that podcast. Uh, it's good type of stuff. TrueScentK9.com. Um, when you get there and plug it in, they do give us a discount code, which is WDR, all capitalized, WDR15. That's a WDR15 for 15% off training aids. Get on it. Yep. So working dogs, whether they be police dogs or hunting dogs or search and rescue, whatever, have a fantastic talent of managing to hurt themselves in magnificent and magical ways. Um, if I could count the ways that my fucking dogs have managed to hurt themselves, it would fill up an entire podcast episode. Not everything is going to require a vet visit. I'm not suggesting that you don't take the dog to the vet, but stuff that's normal, like hot spots, pad injuries, happy tail, stuff that's just kind of annoying, uh, can turn into serious issues. The guys at Vet Care have produced a, st- a product called Quick Derm. That is absolutely fantastic. Eric actually has a guy that's close to him that runs a fairly large boarding kennel uh, that had a dog come in that had hot spots already when he got there. And, you know, you didn't want to be blamed for hot spots. So uh, he actually ordered some of the stuff and cleared it up in, I mean, a couple of days. I actually had some pretty gnarly burns from uh, dealing with the dogs at the HRD seminars uh, from doing some of the muzzle work and I was able to clear up something on my arm <laughs> in about seven days and it didn't tear up my tattoo which is kind of nice so so if you go over to vetcare.us it's going to be 10WDR and you'll get 10% off your first order and we've heard some rumors that they were upgrading people on sizes when you use the discount code so head over and put it in your uh, put it in the patrol car and you'll be good to go all right, we are back. Thanks for uh, listening in, tuning in. For those of you who skipped the commercials that you just heard, um, if you're on Patreon, you didn't hear them. But uh, if you're listening to it on the regular, all the podcast avenues, you heard the commercials. If you skip through them, you're making a huge mistake. A ton of our supporters and sponsors uh, are giving us great discount codes, and there's a lot of new information in there. 
make sure you're um, checking it out. Uh, you, <clears throat> you really, you really don't want to pass up on it. I mean, it's it's almost damn near free shit. You got to go check it out. There's True a lot story. of cool things. Sometimes it is free stuff. Shit. Yeah. Sometimes it is. That's what we're going to do in these commercial breaks. We're going to start putting contests in there and be like, you suck because you missed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you skipped it. So, um, all right. So we are back here. Um, we're talking uh, containment, hiding with uh, with Jack from LAPD, who's, who we're, it's pretty cool because he had the ground experience with the canine and then the air support and then being a pilot. Um, and we're talking about, uh, you know, where you're finding people, where assholes hide and that type of thing. It's funny you mentioned the trash, the big industrial trash bins. When I was a handler, and I encourage all handlers, if you track that son of a bitch and you think he's in that trash can, throw your dog in there. <laughs> it's like gladiator school for that fucker in a very short, confined, a guy can't go nowhere. Dog just puts in work on that dude inside that trash bin. You should have surrendered. Fuck off. So yeah, that's uh, why I, we call that one trash panda. When I tell my handlers are doing trash panda, they know, <laughs> and they know. Right. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna buy somebody a trash can tonight." And I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> fair enough." So, so Jack, yeah. one big dig, one big difference is over here on the East Coast area is we track everybody. I mean, granted, right. there's a lot of various searches out in California. Uh, unless I'm wrong, um, a lot there's not a ton of tracking per se. Um, mainly, I. I would assume because of air assets and the amount of people yeah. that can set up a perimeter. Yep. I know a lot of vendors don't even train tracking. If you if you want the tracking, you got to do it after you get back to your agency. Talk about that. Yeah. You're right on track on that, Eric. That, that's true. Um, California departments, urban departments particularly, not a whole lot of stress on tracking for for the reasons some of which you touched on. You're, you're in an urban area. Uh, you have air assets for a lot of these departments, um, and you know, then you get out to a rural area, and like some of the county dogs, they'll be more into tracking because they get into those, that type of scenario. Uh, but you know, the, the tracking versus uh, area search thing is—it's good to have a dog that can do both. There's no doubt about it. Even in an urban area, it would come up now and then where if you had a dog that was at least decent in tracking, boy, that really helped help things along a, a lot, as you guys know. Um, but there's some departments that they, they rely on that tracking, you know, uh, Canada, uh, the Northwest, uh, the East, the Midwest, very big on tracking, Florida, a lot of tracking dogs. So, um, you know, I, I see that a lot and the, the topic comes up a lot because people say, well, we're, we're kind of uh, into tracking. Do we really have to contain, you know? And it's like, well, you should still try and contain the guy. Wouldn't you rather have a, uh, a one-mile track versus a five-mile track, <laughs> you know? If you can get somebody out ahead of this guy and slow him down or stop him where he takes takes a hiding spot, wouldn't that be better? And so the topic comes up a lot uh, about about tracking and versus area search, but, you know, being ready to do both, I think, is the best, is the best scenario. So, you know, that's well, a here, good... And here, real quick, yeah. is my thing about my comment on that to people is um, I tell them... When we're tracking a person, especially in an urban area, we need that guy to go to ground. We need yep. him to hide. So we need that containment where he goes out, sees a cruiser, shit, and he goes the other way, shit. Next thing you know, he's got to go to ground. Because I tell everybody, if I have 10 minutes lead time on you, which a lot of these cases we do by the time, you know, calls come in and the 
they they dispatch and everything else, 10, 15 minutes even sometimes. If I'm the guy and I don't stop moving, you're never going to catch me if, if you yeah. don't have air assets, which okay. a lot of places over here on the East do not. Yep. If I just keep going, you and the dog will never catch me because you're walking. Even if I run, walk, run, walk. So we need the perimeter to put those people to, to bed. I'm with you 100% on that. That's exactly right. And, and by the way, guys, uh, the number one thing that I saw change over my 30-plus years was that suspects hid less and ran more. Uh, you know, in, the, in the 80s, it wasn't uncommon to find suspects very quickly on a canine search yard to yard. In 2019, in the same neighborhoods, uh, same, you know, same crimes, it's, it's rare to find somebody in the first few yards. They're running a lot further, a lot faster, and if you think about it, it makes sense. They, they figured it out. They figured out what you just described, Eric, that if I keep running, it's the chance of me getting away go up, and even in an urban area. So uh, that's, a, that's a really important point for, for dog handlers to know, and certainly for, for their customers, for their patrol handlers, to, their patrol officers to know, is that uh, you know, the days of one-block perimeters are quickly going away. And that's yeah. based on one thing and one thing only. The suspects have figured it out. They don't want to hide in that first yard because they know they're going to have a Malinois attached to them in the next hour, and they don't <laughs> like that. So, they, so what do they do? I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep running. And uh, it, it works. It's what I would do <laughs> if I was running. I, I yep. just keep moving. And that's so, not about speed. It's about keep moving. And, you know, some of that is because – and you talk a little bit this about in your book about how – you know, we have shows like this one and we have like, you know, the all the TV shows and that provides actionable intelligence for assholes. And yep. they talk too. Um, you know, when they go to jail after they get fucking smoked, you know, in certain counties, like they say, hey, you know, if they if they bring the dog out, I mean, it's kind of a known thing in the city that I live in that in certain areas of town that if they get the dog out, you're going to get fucking nuked. And because it's a large agency, they, they're really good with containment and they're going to find you. <laughs> like yeah, it, exactly. it is what it is. That and you're going to get, you're, you're going to get fucking bit. And that's kind yeah. of like a, like I call it hood knowledge, but um, they just know. So with that, you know, the difference between an urban versus rural, like these big agencies versus these small agencies, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have two dogs or three dogs or 10 dogs or 40 dogs or, you know, however many, talk about using more than one dog team um, to search. Well, uh, if, you're, if you have that luxury and you're, doing, and you're doing an area search and you have more than one dog, it's a great help. I mean, it certainly, uh, certainly makes things go faster and it, and it possibly keeps the guy from moving, too. If you're, if you're doing like a, a yard-to-yard on, a, on a, you know, a residential block, uh, moving from one end of that block to the other, uh, offsetting by one, one, one canine team on one side of the block, one on the other side of the block, and offsetting by one yard so that you're not back-to-back and have a crossfire issue in the backyard is a good rule. Uh, and just moving and communicating so that you don't get too far apart, because that gives a guy an opportunity to hop back and forth as well. Uh, but if you stay offset by one and keep moving through the block, like north to south or whatever it is, it works very effectively. And uh, on very large perimeters where it's 
you know, where they're searching for a, a serious bad guy and it might have four or five canine teams or more, uh, it takes a lot of coordination. And the key is to have a plan. At, before you leave the command post, you have a plan. With all your dog handlers, they sit there and they look. and They go, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Let's communicate. Let's talk. Let's make sure we, we're, we know where each other uh, is searching and not get too spread out here or far apart and, and help each other. And, and then stick to that plan. And it, it tends to work. It tends to work pretty good as long as there's communication. It's kind of a similar concept to what Eric and I talk about a lot when we do these HRD seminars um, and some of the room clearing um, stuff with uh, one of the scenarios, one of the scenarios specifically, the clear down and move up um, idea. Um, if you're going to establish like areas that you know are 100% clear and you're being thorough, <laughs> so and you're making sure that there's not anybody hiding where you haven't looked yet, and you can kind of systematically move through those areas. A lot of my guys, like Eric said too, like in this part of the country, we do um, tracks that turn into area searches. Um, a couple of my handlers in particular are really good about, um, one, as a canine handler in your county, your city, you should intimately know the geography of the terrain and everything else. And, one, and two, if you have information of who you're chasing, um, if they're from the area, meaning that they know that they're going to go somewhere where they're comfortable, or two, they're likely going to be calling for a pickup and which direction they're probably going to be heading so that you can direct units in that area in that direction. If you're chasing somebody right. that you have no idea who they are, or if you think they're not from the area, they're probably going to do what Eric said is like, go to ground and they're going to wait and for you to leave so they can figure out a plan to get the fuck away from you. Uh, my guys tend to be very good about knowing who they're chasing because there's not a lot of people out here. Um, and like Eric in your sense, like you guys a bit more same person more than once. <laughs> so, yeah, um, they're idiots. so, um, you know, kind of having that and then turning a track in chasing them or pushing them into a perimeter that you're setting up. Um, and like Eric said, you know, bumping sirens and having a visible presence so that you can chase them into that net. Uh, and then have a successful apprehension is a huge skill set, and that's a that's a tactic that rural guys use a lot versus just we don't know where they're at with urban guys, and they're like, oh well, we know he didn't go past this, but we're not hundred percent certain. So um, you know, it makes a difference in where you're at in the country. I mean, like a team from Omaha, Nebraska, or just outside of there is going to have a much different searching tactic than you are if you're in Miami, Florida. So I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, it is going to be different, and and it all comes down to. It comes down to a bunch of things, but number one, how many officers are available? So there's a lot of departments to say, well, you know, we don't have, we have very limited uh, personnel working. How are we supposed to set up this big containment? So they have to be even smarter and even more efficient than a big city police department that's going to have dozens of officers show up. Uh, but it can be done. And the key is, is being smart and thinking, okay, I have limited people. Where am I going to put them? I've got to put them at very specific spots, well out ahead of where we, we think this guy is moving toward and, and get them in, in good spots where they can visually cover as much as possible uh, from, their, from their vantage point. Whereas in an urban area, you get to a big city and you, you can put a bunch of cops on, on street corners and contain an area very easily. There's no easier place on the planet uh, to set up a perimeter than, for instance, South Central Los Angeles, because everything's rectangular and everything's square. And the, and the streets are numbered, you know, 46th Street, 47th Street, 48th Street. It doesn't get any easier than that. 
most officers are dealing with much more uh, complicated issues, and especially the rural guys. I mean, I, it's, it's much tougher on them, but it's important that they remember, well, you know, I might not have as many units as that big city, and I might not have those square blocks, but I still have to think the same for certain things, and that's to put people out ahead of where this guy started moving toward to try and at least slow him down, if not completely contain him through deterrence with all your lights and, and hitting that siren and making him think that the whole world's there, even if it's just two of you, you know, that's important. So when you, when I, when I was a handler, before I became a trainer, I was a handler and um, I realized when I became a trainer, all the dumb shit I was doing as a handler. Uh, when you got out of handling and got into the air, what do you look back on? Like, man, I used to fuck that up all the time. Like I used to, like you would get you frustrated from the air with the guys on the ground and you're like, shit, I used to do that all the time. Yep. Oh, there's a million things. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I, I, oh, that, I went through many phases of that. <laughs> when I went to canine, I had the same thing happen where I look back and go, my gosh, I, I did a lot of dumb things. I thought I understood perimeters and I thought I understood where people hide. I didn't know anything. And then I, I thought I did, but then canine enlightened me and I learned a lot. And then same thing happened getting the air support. And, and I started looking down and going, look at this. The same the same mistakes that I made are still being made. And it was one of the reasons that I started writing about this topic and, and teaching classes about this topic to my own folks, saying, Hey, I learned the hard way. I made all these mistakes. You guys are still making them. Let's, let's stop screwing these things up. And so the, one of the biggest ones, and I tell this to people all the time, the number one complaint by canine handlers around the world on the topic of perimeter, perimeter containment is they're too small. <laughs> the containments are too small. Uh-huh. And it's, it's all about tunnel vision. I, I got that many times, but coppers still get it today, where we concentrate on this small little area or, the, or, the, or that door. He ran through that door, and all we look at is that door, and we forget that there's this big, beautiful world out there, uh, and there's side doors and back doors and back windows that guys can get out, and we need to contain a larger area and maybe concentrate on that door. We'll, we'll, we'll hit that door first, but if we go in there and he's not there, we need a plan B. We need something to fall back on. I think that's the biggest thing that, 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 that I saw over time that really was one thing that, that I had done many times, but that... It's still being done, and it's still being done at agencies around the world. And, and, uh, and we've got to remember that. When we're chasing somebody, yeah, we want them to be in that little area, but what if he's not? What are we going to do then? Are we going to you know, just call it off? Are we going to do a track? Are we gonna, uh, what are we going to do? And it's best to set that containment up bigger right off the bat as, as soon as you get there. And then you concentrate on the small area and fall back on the big area if you have to. So, um, no, go ahead, Eric. No, that was, I was going to say, uh, yeah, that's, that's good for people to realize and, and you're right. Um, too small or I see a lot of, a lot of, um, containment with guys in cruisers. I'm just going to f- float. I'm just going to drive around, <laughs> yeah. see if I can. And it's like, what the fuck are you, what do you mean you're going to float? Bitch, put pick an intersection and sit there. And then we'll, yeah. we'll bound as we go, but um, guys yep. don't even, they love to drive around with their spotlights on. That's my, yeah. my perimeter. Drive and they made it worse because, on. and they made it worse because the DOJ and the, uh, the feds are giving out all of those, um, 
like the fucking FLIR things that go on top of the spotlights now with the yeah. flip down. Yeah. So like I've got several <laughs> handlers that have those now and yeah. I've got a lot of departments that have them and it's always the night shift guys for clear uh, for reasons for obvious reasons. But yeah, they, so they, they have further reinforced that behavior by giving them tools so they don't have to get out of the fucking car. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> exactly. um, so one thing that has substantially changed a lot is cell phones. Um, you know, back in the day, cell phones were kind of a thing. One of the tactics that people use is they will go to ground and then they will call in another call from, and I have some funny stories about cell phones, from where they're at to try and draw uh, resources away from where they're at currently. Like they'll call yep. in another call, like an armed robber or something. They'll call in something. But that's relatively new uh, because cell phones are, you know, kind of one of those things. But uh, what did you see in terms of like the way that that changed um, how you were searching? It, it was a big game changer. And here's the, here's the major things. Number one, the bad guys all have cell phones. Some of them have more than one. Number two, they're using them. They're calling in and they're calling in bogus calls. Like you said, they're calling in describing themselves outside the containment area. Yep. That's a common one. And then Ooh, that's probably smart. the most common thing is they're calling the girlfriend. They're calling their oh. buddies. And saying, hey, come to this corner, open the door, I'm going to be running out. <laughs> you know? And they're setting it up. So as far as what officers are, need to do and the search is to really be aware that, A, they're doing that, uh, and don't get sucked in to the, oh, that's our guy. He's two blocks away. Well, hold on. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Maybe that's him calling. So let's, let's hold what we got here and send one officer to go check on that. I'm not saying you ignore it, but I'm saying to run away from what you got just because somebody calls in and describes your guy is crazy in today's world. You know, 25 years ago, not crazy. You know, it, it, it made sense. That's your guy. Somebody's calling 911, and he's describing him four blocks away. That's your guy. But in today's world, that could be your guy sitting in a shed or in a bush, you know, calling it in and hoping that you all leave. And many, many documented cases of that um, uh, yeah. happening. Many so cases. one of my guys, um, uh, it's been, I guess it was a couple of years ago. Uh, they had a, they had a, uh, perimeter set and they knew this guy was in this like four square block area and it was kind of an urban ish area. There's a lot of like dumpsters and like those, uh, metal shed buildings and stuff. And so they're kind of like, they're not tracking, but they're doing what I just kind of call general investigating because it's in an area where there shouldn't be anybody anyway. Um, most of it was controlled by an access gate. So like they kind of knew they chased this guy into an area and so the dog kind of comes to a, like this area where there's like an alcove with two dumpsters and the dog freezes up and the handler freezes up and he kind of turns to his backing guys and is like, Hey, we got something. And all of a sudden the cell phone rings and yeah. the handler yeah. was like, the fuck are you guys talking to your girl? He was like, and it was the girlfriend calling the shithead they were looking for. And he was hiding in a pile of trash and dude, I gets nuked. Um, and Oh yeah. Well then there's the other one where, um, some of my guys were on a, uh, a task force and they knew this guy's phone number and he had done the whole deal where he had called and tried to like say he was somewhere else. So the handler was like, dude, have dispatch, call him real quick and just see what happens. Just call his phone, his cell phone. So they reverse called it and it rang and same thing happened. Like the dude was hiding under a, like a deck and out near like a, like a trailer home. 
and they were the dog was acting all kinds of weird like trying to get under the deck and the handler's like he's under the deck and they're like oh there's no way he could be under there it's like somebody and he handler turned to one of the marshals and was like hey have somebody call this guy's cell phone real quick. And he did. And they heard it ring. <laughs> they were like, Hey fucker, we know you're under there. And the guy was like, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. like when we go towards the end here about like interviewing these guys, but the, you yeah. know, and they were, he was like, how do you, I just didn't leave my cell phone under there. And the handler was like, why would you do that? Yeah. That so. shit costs money. We're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The cell phone thing's a game changer and just needs to be, kept in mind because it, it, it's happening a lot it, sometimes they, they'd be on their cell phone in some bushes in the middle of the night and a, and a resident would see a glow in their bushes and call 911 and say hey i know the police are here uh i know they're looking for somebody i got a glow coming from my bushes <laughs> from their from their cell phone and it leads a canine team in easy find you know so one of the things that um i can tell you for sure that i was lax about um and uh, I guarantee you this will resonate with a lot of handlers, um, is when, when, you know, we, we track a guy, we find him, do an area search, whatever, whatever it is, however we find him, um, then we don't want to talk to the guy. We just want to fucking yeah. go do our paperwork and go home and do whatever yep. it is we're going to do. Yep. And our friend Justin Rigney's talking about um, how, how important that was in his group to start doing interviews, post-catch interviews of human behavior, you know, of where they went yes. and how you um, kind of figure out behavior. Talk about that, if you would. It's, it, I'm a big advocate of that, and I've, been, I've done it. I learned to do it in canine. I can't remember who encouraged me to do it, but I started doing it. Now, with that said, there's a lot of, as you guys know, a lot of bad guys just tell you to pound sand. They're not going to oh. talk to you. Yeah. But especially every now and then you get a blabbermouth. <laughs> Yes, especially if they get bit. But let's say you pull them out of a bush and they don't get bit, and now they're in handcuffs. Uh, you dust them off and you say, hey, so why did you hide here? Or why did you hide there? Or what, you know, where did you run from? Did you move? Did you do this? Did you do that? And every now and then you're going to get somebody that's going to talk a lot, and you will learn more from them than you'll learn at any seminar, book, magazine article ever, because they're going to, that's the, that's the firsthand account from a crook that's telling you what they thought and what, why they did things. And it, sometimes it's absolutely fa fascinating and it's eye-opening. And you'll hear some of the myths they believe, too. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if you lay still, really they won't, you won't get bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of fun and funny, but I learned a lot of the stuff that I ended up putting uh, into articles and books and classes from bad guys, or if if it didn't, if I didn't learn it from them, it confirmed it. You know, it confirmed what what my belief was already, and it and that's important. I mean, to to go, yeah, you know what, we're doing things right here, because not only do we believe it and do it, but here's a bad guy telling us that that's what happens, and it just makes it really a good thing to do. So I, I'm a big uh, proponent of that. I think it's a good idea. It's worth the time. And again, some guys are going to tell you to get screwed. That's okay. You'll eventually find the guy that's gold and he's going to tell you all sorts of things of what he did, why he did it. And you'll learn a great deal. It's worth so, it. And all those exit interviews, um, well, like it's a fucking job interview. Um, so what, is there any commonality in a lot of the behaviors um, or the human behaviors that you saw that, can be distilled down into like some hard people will do this given this situation. Yes. I mean, 
a couple things come to mind. One is that uh, fight or flight is real. If they choose flight, they're all in. They're all in, and uh, and they're going to do whatever it takes, especially the hardcore ones. They're going to do whatever it takes to get away, and they're going to try and put as much distance between themselves and that initial officer in the opening seconds as they possibly can. That was a common, common theme, and sometimes they were able to do it. Sometimes they weren't, but they all, many of them that talked, talked about that, how that's the key. You, you just keep running, and you've got to run fast and hard, especially in the opening minutes. And then the other thing was just listening to the, the ideas that they have and the things that they believe. Uh, something like, uh, well, I hid in this laundromat because I learned in jail, you guys never search in laundromats. And we just shook our heads and go, why would we not search this laundromat? It's within the containment area. But it's things that they believe. And uh, or you could, I, I, I did this because uh, I took all my clothing off. This is a good one. I took all my clothing off, and then I ran a few more yards and hid in that shed because now your dog can't smell me. I mean, that's just laughable, but, but that's what they believe. I mean, these guys actually believe some of these jailhouse myths, and, and they're good to know. They're good to know. So if you do find a pile of clothing, you go, okay, here's his clothing. Oh, he's one of these idiots that believes that the dog can't find him now. He's, we're close, boys and girls, you know, and next thing you know, you're on top of him, and he's in custody in his underwear, you know. Uh, that's a common one. I've heard that a bunch of times around the country about the dumping the clothing so the dog can't smell them. It's hilarious, but, but uh, they, they don't know. You know. They're just listening to jailhouse rumors. Yeah, keep it up, guys. Just keep talking <laughs> in right. jail. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you sit still, you won't get bit. That's and, right. And uh, just, if you take your clothes off, they can't find you. And if you hide right. your drugs in peanut butter, the dogs won't be able to smell it. <laughs> Or right. if you put dryer sheets Coffee in there, grounds. Right? Coffee grounds. <laughs> right. right. Yep. And if you use cheap cologne and fucking felony force, you can't. Uh, they, we won't be able to find the drugs. So uh, those Perfect. are all true. Absolutely. Uh, you should continue to do those. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, you know, this has been uh, fantastic. So for we, be, we keep talking about this book. Uh, for everybody that's listening, um, you wrote a book, Apprehending Fleeing Suspects, uh, Suspect Tactics, and Perimeter Containment. It's like literally the, I guess, the book on this thing. Um, where can we find it? Well, you can uh, get it through uh, the publisher, which is cctomas.com, cctomas.com, or officertactics.com. That's my website, and it can link you to that, to the C.C. Thomas website. It's on Amazon, too. I mean, it's, it's out there, uh, but those are the easiest ways to get it. Yeah, like I said, I read it. Um, easy read, not super long. Um, I read it on the way out to North Carolina on the way back on the plane. Um, so, uh, you know, anybody listening, that's where I would get it. Um, I downloaded, I think, from the publisher, if I remember correctly. But yeah, you can read it on your you can read it on your phone on your iPad or on my iPad. But um, yeah, so and then the next question was, you know, where can we find you? Which is officertactics.com. dot uh, We'll put it in the show notes. Officertactics.com, Yep. I'll have Alicia. That's put a great website notes. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I felt I, lucky I get to get that. You know, it's like I, I couldn't believe mm-hmm. that it was available. <laughs> I was like, wow, nobody got this yet? Well, I'm going to hang on to this. But well, that's what I said, too. When I figured out what your website was, I was like, holy shit. Because, <laughs> well, it's funny because we own, uh, Scott and I actually own um, drugdog.com and bombdog.com and policedog.com. Oh, and uh, the people, it's a long story about how we got those. But Yeah, I'm yeah. fascinated by that. 
<laughs> so if you type in policedog.com, it goes to our side canine. So, uh, yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes. Not my shit, but we'll put uh, Jack stuff in the show notes. Um, Eric, where can we find you? Uh, Van S canine, V-A-N-E-S-S canine on Instagram, Van S canine Academy on Facebook. VanSK9.com, not as cool as OfficerTactics.com, but uh, VanSK9.com. Uh, it's got like dog prices and everything like that on there. Um, training, mostly the pet stuff, but um, yeah, Instagram. If you're a police dog handler and everything, and you follow me on Instagram, and I don't follow you back, please send me a message. Uh, I have a lot of followers. Uh, I try to follow all the handlers back because you guys are truly my heroes. You took over where I left off. I, I've been, you know, haven't handled in a few years. I retired in November. I'm still training dogs, but I'd love to, to, to meet the guys and talk to the guys. So um, if you're a handler, uh, hit me up and make sure I'm following you back. Yep. Uh, you can find you? me, uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. And then the podcast has one working underscore dog underscore radio. Uh, for the podcast and then torchlight canine letter k number nine is the uh, kennels uh, instagram and then all of those on with the exception of me on um, facebook and um yeah that's where i kind of post stuff for the podcast or alicia does and stuff for the podcast and stuff that i'm doing day to day whether i've got handler schools gone or green dogs or whatever i'm doing at the time uh but yeah that's where we do all the contests too that you should be listening for for free shit to give away from our sponsors so yeah uh and like i said everybody uh check the show notes for this to, to get the book from jack but jack uh interview has been awesome super informative um it's been an issue that um i kind of talk about in the background um and i talk about it with my handlers during handler schools and it's not something that i get to teach a lot because it's not my thing um i teach dogs to find shit and bite people not <laughs> so Got it. I mean, it's been, you know, I mean, and it's something that I think needs to be talked about a lot. And, um, so for everybody listening, go, uh, get it, hit the book up. I think it's 25 bucks. not a lot. Go, uh, go check it out. Um, but yeah, Jack's been great. I appreciate the time for sure, man. Well, no, thanks for having me. I'm honored to talk to you guys and, uh, to all the working handlers out there, you're at the tip of the spear and that's, uh, it's a tough job, but keep doing what you're doing. Yep. So yeah, everybody, right, thanks, uh, thanks guys. Yep. So we'll be looking for more from Hits. So we'll see everybody soon. Talk to you. See you guys. Bye. Bye. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at alnk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off 
off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military themed. Go to the website, www.usa-k9.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code k 9 Pro, or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom, and we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up. Specifically for guys in this podcast, for if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely, and these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.